When we confine ourselves to being indoors all day, we are depriving our eyes of sunlight, resulting in an overproduction of melatonin during the day. In essence, our mind and body don't know it's time for bed, resulting in poor sleep quality. When we are well-rested, our brain allows us to think more creatively and strategically. Thank you for tuning in to today's Super You Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Quammen. Most of you know me as Equal Man. Today, we are reading from my new book, The Focus Project. So this will be a snippet from that new book. We're giving it away for free. So if you know anyone, if you listen to this and you enjoy it, please, please, please go out, grab it on Amazon, send it Prime. Just say, hey, I'm thinking about you and thought this book might help you out. But without further ado, my hope is this reading of the book helps you out. And that's why we're giving it away for free. So without further ado, here's the latest and greatest from The Focus Project. Turn it up. Turn your music down. You'll never learn anything with all this racket, yells a parent to their teenager. But perhaps the parent has it all wrong. What if some types of music, even rap and rock songs, actually improve your focus and boost your intelligence? Findings show that listening to the same song repeatedly while working can help creativity and concentration. Different types of music affect different parts of the brain and can benefit various areas of learning. Every person has a unique sound that causes this effect, and once that sound is found, listening to it can maximize focus and learning. Classical music has commonly been attributed to boosting performance in math. Typically speaking, 12% of students perform higher on exams after listening to Mozart and Beethoven. In contrast, pop songs are associated with an increased sense of creativity that pairs well with subjects like English, drama, and arts. But how do these songs affect the brain? It is important that the music is in the range of 50 to 80 beats per minute, as this can help induce the alpha state of mind, calm, but alert, imagination stimulated, and concentration heightened. A state of mind that is thought to be best for learning, says Gray. Gray states that listening to these types of songs while studying has a calming effect that induces concentration. Students think more logically and rationally. Gray explains that the number of beats per minute is the largest component in affecting brain responsiveness. Concentration is not limitless, so it's important that the music does not divert the listener's attention away from the task, but focuses towards it. So music without lyrics or familiar lyrics is always preferable. Music should always be played in the background. What diverts our attention is specific to the listener and depends on particular interests, likes, and dislikes. Gray advises that classical, ambient, and jazz are typically the most successful genres for keeping emotions steady and are a good study buddy for material requiring logical thought and problem-solving skills. Subjects like math, science, and languages. Subjects like art, fashion, media, and drama pair better with punk, rock, pop, and dance genres. I tested listening to music while writing this month. The results are mixed. Sometimes it is a nice pick-me-up. At other times, it is distracting. Listening to music provides the most value when I'm doing editing versus creative writing. 
To Gray's point, the music that seems to work best for me are Disney songs, the non-lyrical piano and symphonic versions of them. It works best for me playing in the background versus via my headphones. Fun in the sun. Many of us bunker down at our desks thinking that creativity will find us. This is an easy trap to fall into. Americans on average spend about 90% of their time indoors. Yet, we should turn the outdoors into an office. Little by little, I began moving a meeting or two to a table outdoors, taking a phone call on a quick walk instead of cooped up at my desk, writing under a tree, or taking my lunch break outside. Plants use sunlight to convert its rays into energy, and the same holds true for us. These positive effects include the following. Improved quality of sleep. The sun can help improve our quality of sleep. When our eyes are exposed to the sun's light, the pineal gland is notified to halt production of melatonin, the sleep-inducing hormone, until it gets dark outside and it's time for rest. Once the sun goes down, our body notifies itself that melatonin production can begin again, and we will begin to feel tired. When we confine ourselves to being indoors all day, we are depriving our eyes of sunlight, resulting in an overproduction of melatonin during the day. In essence, our mind and body don't know it's time for bed, resulting in poor sleep quality. When we are well-rested, our brain allows us to think more creatively and strategically. Hi, my name is Kelsey, and I'm the Chief of Staff at Equalman Studios. I like the FOCUS project because it highlights so many different areas of importance. So whether you're trying to focus on your health and your fitness, or whether you're trying to focus on your personal or professional relationships, the book has so many useful tips and tricks to focus on those specific areas. I also really like how the book has been broken up. You can start from front to back like you would with any other book, or if you'd like to start with a specific focus, you can start with that chapter then jump to a different chapter when you're ready to shift to a new area of focus. I also think this book is more important than ever. Chances are at the beginning of quarantine, you made a promise to yourself that you were gonna start eating better or start working out more or being more productive with your time. And for a lot of us that hasn't happened yet, but I think this book is perfect for getting started. So whether you're ready to make those changes or help a friend, you can find the book on Amazon, The Focus Project, The Not-So-Simple Art of Doing Less, now available in ebook and paperback. As always, we love hearing your feedback. Leave us a review for The Focus Project, The Not-So-Simple Art of Doing Less. The Green Effect. Going out into nature and physically surrounding oneself with trees, leaves, and plants makes us more joyful and productive. In a German study by Dr. Stephanie Lechtenfeld, subjects exposed to green rectangles outperform those exposed to white, gray, blue, or red rectangles while performing creative tasks. Lechtenfeld coined this the green effect. Exposure to greenery for as little as two seconds can benefit us. The reason? The brain associates green with growth. We crave exposure to nature. Higher level brain functioning. Increased exposure to sunlight improves brain function. While conducting a University of Cambridge study, neuroscientist David Llewellyn discovered reduced cognitive function in subjects with decreased levels of vitamin D. The sun is our primary source of vitamin D. Absorbing the sun's rays positively impacts how our brains process information. Vitamin D also helps us fight things like COVID-19. 
Exposure to sunlight lowers blood pressure. University of Edinburgh researchers discovered that nitric oxide, a blood pressure-inducing compound, is released into our bloodstream when sunlight hits the skin. Lower blood pressure helps reduce the risk of heart attacks and strokes, and it can potentially increase our lifespan. Being exposed to more oxygen results in an increase in serotonin, which makes you feel calm, happy, and relaxed. No-fly zone. Wi-Fi on planes can be unreliable, slow, and frustrating. Typing in a cramped position with a white-hot computer inches from your waistline is not a great experience. The fact that a passenger in front of you can flop his seat back and destroy your computer is no joy ride either. Throughout this project, if something isn't bringing me joy or happiness, I always ask, can this be flipped? Can I flip the game? Can I flip it in my favor? This is exactly what I've done when it comes to flying. My new rule is zero Wi-Fi on planes. I call it no Wi-Fi. Wouldn't this make a great t-shirt? My airplane time is now dedicated to reading, writing, relaxation, and reflection. Flights immediately became more enjoyable. Flights are a necessary evil for my job as a speaker, but I no longer dread them. Now flights are a time of processing my thoughts. Coming up with my no Wi-Fi rule reminded me of a comment a mentor had when Wi-Fi was first installed on planes. She said to me, I love flying on planes as it's the only time I'm not connected and I can have some peace. I don't want them to start putting Wi-Fi on all the planes. It would ruin this peace for me. At the time, I thought she was crazy. Having a Wi-Fi connection made the flight go by so much faster. Expressing this to her, I saw the all-knowing twinkle in her eye. Ah, young grasshopper, so much to learn. I now fully grasp the wisdom of her words. Set up these types of time pockets throughout your day. If you're at a child's piano lesson, don't mindlessly surf the internet. Dedicate such time to reading, journaling, calling old friends, or whatever you want to do that you seem never to accomplish. For me, it's time for writing, relaxing, reflecting, and resting. Look for these opportunities at doctor's office visits, commutes on the train, and other places. Another flippant moment for me relates to how much I enjoy writing fiction. Conversely, I have often struggled to write my business books. Identifying this challenge, I came up with a solution. Write my business books less technically and more personally, infusing them with creativity. Doing this, my joy soared along with the readability of the book. Chapter Summary The One Big Thing Creativity often occurs when your mind is unfocused. Avoid being wasteful with your time so you can schedule blocks for white space. Idle time can be the most productive use of our time. My grade this month was a B+. Wow, did I really enjoy this month, fencing off time for deep thinking and writing. So why not an A+. There were still a few times when I let the immediate items take precedence over the important items. As a result, I had to hit the reset button mid-month. Also, I didn't have as many Zen coffee shop days as I had hoped. But, all things considered, this was a wonderful month of creativity. My top takeaways. Number one, find pockets of time you can turn into luxury time. For example, no Wi-Fi. Number two, combine a desired behavior writing with something you love, coffee. Three, consider the outdoors and office. Moving on to chapter eight, empathy. This month, the focus is to pour more empathy and love into the world by being intentional with every interaction, to leave a family member, friend, teammate, or stranger more energized. Connecting with others, we are either giving love or stealing love. 
On average, if we live to be 80 years old and we meet three new people per day, we have a lot of empathy to spread. Most of us can only remember people we meet after the age of five. So the simple math factoring in a leap year is if you take 80 minus five times three times 365.24 days, that equals 82,179 people. We can positively influence over 80,000 people in our lifetime. If only 1% of them showed up at our funeral, we will have nearly 1,000 people in attendance. You will see the words love and empathy throughout this chapter, and I debated calling this chapter love. However, they are not the same thing. Love usually involves some level of empathy, but empathy doesn't always equal love. There are entire books dedicated to these subjects, which we will not cover here. Rather, this month is simply about focusing on adding more empathy and love to the world around us. The research shows that by doing so, you will be happier and more successful, both personally and professionally. Read Adam Grant's Give and Take for a deeper dive on this. Now, for context, throughout this book, this project was written and done before COVID-19, before the pandemic, before quarantine. So, Assume this is the world as it was, and hopefully that we get back to. My goal this month is to engage in three hugs per day. Some of these hugs will be easy. Attempting to be the world's best dad for my daughters also meant being the world's number one husband. Kids see everything, and they learn from observation. The best way to show how their future spouse should properly treat them is by showing them a living example. A good way to showcase love is through signs of affection, not only with them, but with a spouse. When people hug or kiss a loved one, oxytocin levels increase. Hence, oxytocin is often called the cuddle hormone or the love hormone. In fact, the hormone plays a large role in all pair bonding. Oxytocin is the hormone that underlies individual and social trust. It is also an antidote to depressive feelings. Hugging my wife more and holding her hand is a good example for my daughters. Kids might not listen to us, but they certainly watch us. Most importantly, hugging is a great way to constantly reconnect with my wife. Showing love or empathy also means being present. So often we are physically somewhere, but we aren't present because our minds are elsewhere. Often we are engrossed in our phones instead of the moment. A good example of being present, you are boarding the plane and the gate agent says, have a safe flight and you're mindful enough to not to say, you too, but rather, have a great day. After all, the personnel aren't flying anywhere. Essentially, we need to stop walking around like zombies. Being present is a present. The final four. My dad had a big year. He was turning 75 and celebrating his 50th anniversary. Around this time, I was fortunate to share a beer with him and reflect on the years gone by. Me, dad, you're really doing some cool stuff right now. You're accomplishing a ton. Well, Eric, that's because I'm calling it my final 15. What do you mean? The final 15 is my model right now. I figure I have a good 15 years left where my mind and body will still be very sound. And I don't want to waste this opportunity. As such, I'm refocusing on all the things I've wanted to do. I want to ensure I do these 15 years the best I can. For example, I've lost 40 pounds and I'm in the best shape of my life. With my new waist size, it was a good excuse to get all new clothes. The best of the best. I can't take the money with me. We are redoing all the little things in the house that have been bothering me all over the next six months, as I don't want it to drag on. 
I love the Final 15 approach. Inspired by this, I came with my own tagline, the Final Four. As a former college basketball player, I got the irony of the Final Four. We'd recently celebrated the 50th birthday of one of my best friends, Bill. We'd been friends for over 20 years. I couldn't believe we were celebrating his 50th birthday. Wasn't it yesterday that we'd met in the bathroom? Yes, the bathroom. I was in the bathroom changing into my dress shirt and sports jacket for class pitchers. That morning I'd screwed around to find my dress shirt. Yep, only had one, balled up in a corner. The shirt had more wrinkles than a hundred year old man sitting in a hot tub for three years. I took only enough time to iron the small triangle area that would show in the photo. My suit coat would hide the rest of the wrinkled shirt. Putting on my shirt, I heard some hearty laughter and a thick Boston accent. Wow, that is some selective ironing. I respect it. We became fast friends. My 50th birthday was also coming up in four years. So taking a page from my dad's book, I was doing my final four on the way to 50. What do you have that will help you reset or refocus? Do you have a high school reunion? Is there a big beach trip coming up and you want to look good strutting your stuff in the sand? Are you a few years from retirement, from graduation? Do you want to write a book before you're 30? Do you want to scale El Capitan before you're 40? Label these tricks, but they are tricks that work. Mr. Rogers' love affair with 143. Due to text messaging, most of us have become familiar with the symbolic nature of 143. It's an abbreviation for I love you, derived from the number of letters in each word. One for I, four for love, and three, you. But when did it take on this meaning? The answer might surprise you. The first recorded association of 143 with I love you is from the year 1894. A new type of flashing lantern had just been installed in Minot's Ledge Light, a lighthouse located southeast of Boston Harbor. The National Lighthouse Board recommended all lighthouses have a unique numerical flash sequence. For this particular lighthouse, 143 was randomly chosen. One flash, then four flashes, then three. Shortly thereafter, people began making a connection between 143 and I Love You. The lighthouse soon became known as Lover's Light. If you ever get the chance to visit to Minot's Ledge, you will see that the lighthouse flashes the same pattern two centuries later. Some of you who grew up watching Mr. Rogers may have learned about 143. As Tom Janad recounts from his interview with Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers stepped on a scale and the scale read 143 pounds. For over 30 years, Fred Rogers refused to do anything that would make his weight change. Every morning, often after swimming at Pittsburgh's athletic club, the scale told him that he weighed 143 pounds. This has happened so many times that Fred Rogers came to see that number as a gift, as a destiny fulfilled, because, as he says, the number 143 means, I love you. To some, 143 is just a number. To Mr. Rogers and the lovers on Minot's Ledge, it has been a gift, a sign of love. Focusing on 143 gave Fred Rogers, the people near Minot's Ledge, and others something to rely on. In a sense, this focus helped keep them grounded. What numbers, phrases, routines, or habits can you rely on to keep you grounded? Speaking of Mr. Rogers, I hope it is a beautiful day in your neighborhood, and I hope that this podcast has helped provide you with a sliver of light. And again, what we're doing is giving away 
snippets, free snippets of the audible version of my newest book, The Focus Project. So I hope, thank you so much for making it a number one release on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening to the Super You podcast, the podcast designed to unlock and unleash the inner superpower in you. And I hope it's able to do that during these challenging times. Uh, that's it for today. This is your host, Eric Qualman, loving no man's equal man, and reminding all of us, it is not what we take from the world, it is what we leave behind. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you.